we have good sound. Fingers crossed. This sounds great for the customer, for the listeners. You know, it only took us six episodes to figure it out. So actually, I think that's pretty good. We've, I've recorded 60 for the ladies podcast episodes. So yeah, but those sound really good. And you didn't have me dragging you down. <laughs> well, we're back. We're, uh, we're going to get into it. Mixed bag episode seven. Um, but before we get into it, I do have to plug our For the Ladies Golf Getaway at Pinehurst. It is called The Lily after Donald Ross's only daughter. And we are going to have a celebrity appearance of Justin's wife, Stephanie. So if that's not enough reason to come, then I don't know what is. The opportunity to play golf and drink vodka and do whatever else you guys are going to do with my wife is really, that's a priceless, priceless opportunity. Yeah. So, I mean, we're in great hands. It's going to be awesome. Um, well, if you do want information on that, just go to our website for ladies.net. Um, but as always, we have to start with the top personal golf moment of 2021. What was yeah. yours? So our, our recap special. So obviously for me, you know, as a fan and I'll try to not make this too Solheim centric. I tried to, I know, you know, deviate from that as much as possible because we both acknowledge our bias as members of the Inverness club and being out there and having a great time. So for me, my top personal golf moments of 2021 were, you know, volunteering at the Solheim cup, being intimately involved in the event, working the driving range with Steph. It was a lot of fun. Got to see a lot of friends, meet some new friends like Sarah and Veronica and it was really a great experience. So that was definitely my number one. But in terms of as a golfer, I'm not someone that's played a lot of really good golf courses. I've mm. been fortunate to play some, but I had a really good run from April to about the end of August of playing some top 100 golf courses all over the country. So just kind of wrapping that up in 2021. And I got to play Chicago Golf Club, which was really cool end of August. And it was an awesome experience. So those are kind of my handful of highlights personally, the Solheim, and then getting to play some really good golf courses all over the Midwest and all over the country this year was a lot of fun and something I definitely appreciated. Nice. I would say mine as a fan was a Solheim cup. I haven't really attended many golf events as an adult as a fan, just from working in the industry. So it was fun to just like really be able to enjoy it and, and also see like, how do fans experience golf tournaments? So, um, I think additionally attending LPGA events is awesome. You can see everything. The players are really nice. They they're excited and so happy that you're there, um, that it was just a great experience. And then my top personal golf moment, I think, I think it's going to, I'm going to have to go with playing the Olympic club the Monday after the U S women's open. Um, it, it kicked my butt. It was really hard. I've always known that LPGA players are amazing athletes and the best in the world, but it was just like another reminder. I also played it like probably a thousand yards shorter than, than them. So like just overall, it was like such a good experience. The golf course was beautiful. It was in such good shape. Um, and it was really fun. So, um, go ahead. I'm surprised you didn't include the first time we played golf when you tried to play the 7,000 yard tees with Brendan and I I really experienced all TA grounds. <laughs> I mean, I was impressed when we stepped up on the second hole and you were had no problems going from a four sixty par four. 
into the wind. <laughs> Just really wanted to show you guys how it's done. Um, I guess like before we really do get into it, for those who are maybe listening to Mixed Bag for the first time, um, this is our women's golf everything podcast. Justin and I became friends this year. His passion for the LPGA was spurred by, um, he's always been a fan, but it was definitely spurred by hosting an LPGA tour player um, during the Selenia, Ohio LPGA tournament, the Marathon Classic, which has a new name, but um, welcome to the Mixed Bag podcast and today is our 2021 recap episode i think you the only thing you didn't include is we did officially formally meet at a tequila tasting yes that is a minor detail but it's important (laughs) 96 percent of our interactions have involved alcohol the four percent that don't involve this podcast yeah this is the most amount of time we spend not drinking however i think we have recorded a podcast with like beer and wine so (laughs) my details yeah all right so aside from all the mixed bag episodes what was your favorite for ladies podcast of 2021 this was hard for me because it's hard to pick an episode that i wasn't in sure (laughs) of course (laughs) or a close personal friend of mine like alex graf or Becky Newell that I know very well from the Solheim Cup, or even the one that Anna was on um, the last episode that I, I participated in. But the episode that I actually enjoyed most that you did was episode 44 with Kristen LeCount from the Country Club at Brookline. I think she has a really interesting story just growing up there, being a part of that club, getting a job that's maybe typically not associated you know, with a woman, woman being the COO and the general manager, and then they're prepping for the men's uh, U.S. Open next year. So I think she just had a really interesting story of how she got to the role she was in. I don't think she's naturally a golfer per se, but she's gotten into golf. Yeah. And I just think it's, it's worth going back. I think it was from July. It's worth going back and listening to, especially as you're six, seven months away from the next men's open and all that that entails and her experience. I think it's just unique. I mean, you interviewed a lot of good storytellers and a lot of unique stories, but that was one going back about six months that stuck out with me. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I'm going to go with my ladies of golf interview with Lilia Vu. She's an LPGA tour player. She talked a lot about the pressure of being the best amateur golfer in the world and struggling to deliver on that when she first got on tour. Um, So she's lost her LPGA tour status, went back to the Symmetra tour and just earned her cardigan this year. Uh, She won three times on the Symmetra tour regardless of all her accomplishments, like she has a really interesting mindset. She is very mindful. She reads a lot. She, she was funny. She said she needs to stop reading so many self-help books, but I think like that's gotten to where she is. And it's just like, it was a fun listen and a fun interview for me because it gives me somebody to root for who's a little different in uh, 2022. Sure. And I think one of the best things you did at the end of the year was introducing people to some Symmetra tour players and telling their stories and conversely telling that with someone who was the top ranked amateur and then has struggled a little bit on the professional side. I think it just gets to the struggle and how difficult professional golf is at any level to make it on the LPGA tour to then stick on the LPGA tour isn't necessarily something that's easy. And maybe when you're 20, 21 years old, some of these players take that for granted a little bit that they've been the best player at every level growing up. And then you get to a point where all of a sudden I'm the 150th best player 
and how do yeah. you adjust to that? Definitely. All right, let's get into it. It's time to talk about Top Moments 2021 LPGA. What was your, we're going to answer a few questions, label our favorite LPGA tour events based on different factors. So the first one is because of the golf course, Justin's a big venue guy. So um, what was your, your favorite event because of the golf course? Love venues. Are we going to alternate these so I don't have to go first every time? I know sure. you're the host, but I don't want you to steal my answer. <laughs> okay sounds good we can go you could that ask wasn't the next a joke one. that was a legitimate concern i know so uh <laughs> because of the golf course two really stuck out in my mind the first one is the aig women's open at carnoustie i just think carnoustie is awesome it's hard it's difficult you've got the hotel to finish behind the 18th green. So a lot of people are familiar with that look. You had a, a men's open there not that long ago when Francesco Molinari won. Anna Nordquist was a great champion. It was super close coming down the stretch with a lot of different players in the mix. I just think the women's open has really elevated venues next year. We'll get to it later where that's going. I, it's just one of my favorite golf courses. It's iconic. And it's super difficult and it played challenging. So that was number one domestically and maybe a little under the radar. And we actually talked about this event was the founders cup at mountain Ridge. I thought mountain Ridge was a really cool looking golf course. I was not yeah. familiar with it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know a lot about it before it was on, but I really thought it showed really well on television. It was a good event with the founders cup. And I think that's hopefully a venue that they continue at uh, into the future because the LPJ needs more elevated venues and more courses that look like that on television versus maybe some of the other domestic venues that aren't, you know, as elite venues. Definitely. So I, this is a tough one for me between like Solheim cup and the Olympic and us women's open. Like I was at those events. It's tough for me to not talk about them. Um, but mine was the Olympic club. Um, I just think it, it was a true test. And, you know, I, I think that the USGA sets up great golf courses, but, um, aside from that, like, it's a great venue. I think that, um, this year there, it just seemed to be this push in the conversation to host women's golf events at the best courses in the country, in the world, just like they do for the men's majors. And I think we're just continuing to push for that and move in that direction. The runner up for me was Carnoustie. I was shopping for a wedding dress that weekend. So I hardly watched any of that championship, but it did look, it looked amazing on TV as it always does. I think the women spoke incredibly highly of competing there and I just, I thought it was great. Right. I think, you know, you said everything very well. Olympic club is another iconic classic venue. And again, we've got a lot of bias. Your yeah. USGA connections, Inverness, the Solheim, you know, we're trying to set those aside to the best of our limited abilities, but no, I think those are a great choice. And yes, your, your absentee or absence from the women's open is noted in the minutes. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Do you want to, do you want to, okay. Next, the next question, one? your mm -hmm. favorite LPJ event of 2021 because of the coverage. So again, bias, but I thought the coverage was great for the women's open. I did a little research and the 2021 us women's open ended up being the most watched one since 2016. It's a 62% increase year over year across NBC and golf channel. Um, I think, but you know, I, 
I think there's something to be said about having to hop between Peacock, NBC and golf channel, but at the same time, like you're getting the golf analysts and the best golf, you know, commentators. So, um, you're getting that, that quality. And additionally, there was a lot of good drama. It kept people engaged until the very end. So, um, I thought, I thought that took the the winner for me. Yeah, that's a great choice. I obviously um, picked the Solheim Cup. I just thought the Golf Channel did a great job. They had people there early in the morning doing live shots on live from and different shows. NBC picked up some coverage as well. Mm-hmm. It was a busy weekend in terms of Labor Day weekend with college football starting, but sure. I still think it found some good footing and got a lot of coverage. The matches were on from the start of the first tee to the finish. That's not something you typically see in every LPGA event, even a major championship or a big championship like the Solheim Cup. So hopefully, like you said, with the Women's Open, these trends continue with these various platforms. We get more and more access and can yeah. see more and more of these big time events. All right. What was your favorite LPGA Tour event because of the drama? So again, we're repeating ourselves a little bit. I said the Women's Open at uh, Olympic Club. Uh, just going back and doing some research, you forget about things and it's six months ago. I know. You know Mega Gane was, you know, an amateur, was the first round leader. You know, a lot of people remember, you know, Lexi Thompson and how she wasn't able to close. But I went back and looked at some of the, the hole by hole and kind of the moving leaderboard. And, you know, she was up five shots standing on the 11th tee yeah. and then didn't, didn't even participate in the playoff. I think just kind of how her round unfolded. And then you had, you know, younger players, up and coming players like, Yuka and Nasa ended up in a playoff and Yuka winning and she's got so much potential and so much talent. I was kind of surprised. I think she had a good rest of her year, but not a great rest of her year. And I think she would probably admit that a little bit, but to get now LPGA uh, status that she has kind of the Sophia Popov rule. I just thought that event on that venue brought a lot of drama and a lot of excitement at the end. You had a lot of different players involved in terms of you had an amateur, you had someone super well-known, someone on the up and coming levels, and then someone like Anasa that's maybe a little bit more established, but still somewhat unknown. I just thought there was a lot of a lot of drama. And Nasa went on to win, I think, twice. Yes, she yeah. won two, incidentally, two kind of rain-shortened, weather-shortened Oh, that's events. right, Sylvania and... So one in Sylvania and one in... Arkansas, Texas it was late in the year. It was in the Arkansas fall. Arkansas or Texas. Okay. <laughs> Texas, Arkansas. Hey, they touch. Those states touch. I mean, they're close. <laughs> well, so. uh, we'll, we'll do a little research and follow up on right. that one. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, definitely. Um, women's Open drama. All right. Which one? Or do I go first? Do you go? Was that your answer as well? For drama? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean. You covered it. All right. Uh, favorite event because of the champion. I thought this was a great question. Oh, thanks. Um, so I'm going to go with Leona McGuire leading Team Europe to its Solheim Cup victory. She earned four and a half points that week. She became Justin Cruz's favorite player. She also like crushed Jennifer Cupcho in singles. I know it's not like, you know, it's a team event. It's not an individual champion, but like I think if anyone walked away champion, it would have probably been her. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You feel like she is, you know, she was such a, a star and, 
amateur golf and college golf. And then she's burst onto the scene and really kind of planted herself as a upper echelon player uh, at the Solheim cup, but yet still doesn't have an LPGA tour win. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, my, I picked two again, okay. I've done this a couple times. Now my first one was the Lode championship in Hawaii because Lydia Ko won. Yep. Uh, it was great to see her after a long stretch, uh, come back to the winner's circle. She ends up winning the Vare trophy for lowest scoring average. She had a really, really solid year. Didn't pick up another victory, but had a really, really solid year. Yeah. And it's great to see these players that, and we saw this on the men's side too, the Matsuyama, Jordan Spieth, Lydia, this all kind of happened around the same time period. So there was this whole comeback feeling. I thought that was a really good story. And it probably gets lost a little bit again, just because it happens in the spring and there was so much golf that was played. You have five major championships. You have the Solheim Cup, not to mention, you know, men's golf. You've got a lot going on that sometimes people forget these things. Um, My other one is a little more under the radar at the Metaheel when Matilda Castron won. Yeah. Um, it really kind of sparked her year. She ends up going to win an LET event, which got her on the Solheim Cup. She's in a part of the, a winning Solheim Cup team. I mean, a year ago, if we were sitting here, I would have had no idea who Matilda Castron was. Right. And now she feels like she's a key cog in the European Solheim Cup team moving forward. And she is, you know, an up and coming player with multiple worldwide wins under her belt and you feel like she's a player that's can kind of keep that momentum going. So I think those are two wins that kind of stick out to me um, that were memorable. Both were early in the year. So maybe they get lost in the shuffle a little bit, but I think both propelled those players to, to great seasons. Yeah. And Lydia's like, she's just really likable. She's somebody you want to root for. So I, I appreciated that one. I am before we, uh, you know, move on. NASA did also win in Arkansas in a shortened event, the Walmart Northwest Arkansas championship presented by PNG. So nicely done. (laughs) I'm so happy. I see. I should have just, it's like we say with some of these fun facts, if you just commit to it, I should have just said she won two 18 hole events. One I knew was here in the Toledo area and I felt the other one was Arkansas, but I didn't trust myself. And I should have just gone with it. Yep. Now you know. You weren't you weren't gonna correct me at the time. So if no. I was committed, <laughs> yeah. I should have pulled it off. I'm not gonna argue with you. Um okay, I think it's my turn to ask what article, piece of content, podcast did you enjoy most in 2021? So the one that I've talked about, I think in our very first episode that kind of got me into an interest in hosting a player was the Monday qualifier, Monday Q info on Twitter, mm-hmm. interviewing um, Casey Danielson. And I don't even remember the other player he interviewed at the time, but just Fatty. talking about the um, financial stress of playing the Symmetra tour, the struggles of mini tour golf. Yeah. And that's kind of a Twitter follow that was fairly unknown, you know, not that many months ago. And now it's super popular. He's putting up results from you know Symmetra he's interviewing players from different tours and I think the biggest takeaway whenever he tweets something out or tweets a leaderboard or Monday qualifier results is just how difficult professional golf is yeah every story is like on the like edge of heartbreaking right you know someone shoots 
you know, 10 consecutive rounds of 70 or better and Monday qualifies for no events mm-hmm. or someone that had no status, played well, played their way into additional events. All these little things that he has shed light on, I think under the broader umbrella of just how difficult golf is and how many good players are out there. And I think it's great to tell those stories, tell the stories about players playing on the cactus tour or the moonlight tour, or some of these lesser known tours where the talent is still super high and they're hoping to catch their proverbial lightning in a bottle and take it all the way to the top. And I think those guys do a great job of it. Yeah. And he's now with um, Ryan French is now with the fire pit collective. So Mm -hmm. it's cool to see him rewarded for all of his work too. And right. um, yeah, it's great. It's great. Speaking of that, before I share mine, I have, did you read the article from Brentley, Ro- Brentley Romine and Golf Channel about the these women who have gotten status through the Q series, and but like they have to choose to leave their team like midway through their like senior years? Yeah, I think he wrote it yesterday. Yeah. And I saw it on Twitter and, and read it last night. It's a really interesting read. It's good. Read. It's so interesting. And it's definitely a problem. I thought the coaches they interviewed had fairly positive outlooks on it, but I think that's almost because they have to. Sure. They can't, they can't come out and say as the coach at Alabama or Duke or Arizona State that were mentioned of, oh my gosh, you're taking two of my best players away. I think it was Arizona actually. Yeah. Um, and it, that just crushes my team because you want these young players to come in and feel like, okay, if I go to Arizona, this provides a gateway for me to play professional golf. And this is how players, and they've put quite a few in recently can get to the LPGA tour, but it's just so unique. And we're seeing so many stories now since 2018, when they changed kind of the Q series format of players leaving at semester and going and playing professional golf. It's going to be interesting. You know, you have Brooke Matthews at Arkansas's name was mentioned. Gina Kim. Too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I, I just, I think it's hard because if you're a player, sure. Winning a national championship is great and you can take that forever, but you're also then not kickstarting your professional career until end of May. Right mid-May, that's asking a lot. And then you're probably relying on sponsor exemptions to get in because your reshuffle number is going to be so low. Right. And it's not set up for you to succeed if you finish school. And if you defer it for another year, you don't know who knows what your game is like. I've always said, you know, I think there's a, a short period in life where you play your best golf Maybe Brooke Matthews is currently in that best stretch of golf. Totally. And if she gives up six months of that to win a national championship at Arkansas, she can take that forever, but it's hard. I thought the other interesting thing he said was, and I'll let you finish, was just in regards to some of these players have turned pro, haven't graduated, and sure, maybe they can always go back to school, but they haven't exactly been successful. So right. what's your, your fallback plan? Maybe just go back to school, try to finish your degree and try to get a job that way. It's again, golf is hard. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, I, it, yeah. There was like no really good solution. And with Molly coming from Princeton, like athletics, you know, maybe she'll have some good yeah. insight. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, sorry for the digress, but I was like, this is such an interesting article. So I was like, we have to talk about it. Um, so the one that I chose was a video. Um, it was by no laying up called a week in the life with Madeline Sagstrom. Um, they followed along with her while she was defending her title at the 2020 Gainbridge LPGA. Um, but in 2021, she actually shared that she was sexually abused by a family friend at seven years old in Sweden. And this was part of like a drive on piece that shares player stories, but there was just like a lot of attention that week on Madeline. And then you have this no laying up video. It's so good. You get the background of like where she was in 2020 when she won the game bridge. And then it's a deep dive into her week. She makes the cut on the number. There's like a lot of drama. They obviously have a great relationship with her for her to let them tag along all week, like at home, at the golf course, listening into all the conversations. Nellie Corda ended up winning that week and they do like shine a light on that at the end, but it was so well done and it was really cool for them. It was cool of them to put this piece together. Obviously they're going to have more access on the LPGA than they do on the PGA tour. Um, so I just like, I was like blown away by it. I remember when watching it, I think it's like 20 minutes long, maybe 20 to 40. I can't remember, but it was really good. And I hope they do more like that. Yep. And Big Randy and the No Lane Up guys are big supporters of the LPGA. They were at yep. the Solheim. So it's great to see them kind of share the, the 60 minutes type backstory That's on someone cool. that maybe you wouldn't meet otherwise. Yeah, it was really good. All right, let's look at 2022. What event are you looking? Oh, fine. Go, go. <laughs> um, you skipped a question. Ross. Oh, shut up. What storyline was most interesting oh. in 2021? <laughs> I mean, Nelly versus Jin Young Ko, obviously. I think like beyond that though, like Nelly's ascension to world number one was really exciting. She is a superstar. She was the first American to get to number one since Stacey Lewis in 2014. She almost recorded a 59 at the Olympics. Like I I think, yes, the story was Nelly versus Jin Young Ko, but I think Nelly in particular just had a really breakout year. I had the same thing. Yeah, I think it's pretty, it's pretty it's obvious. obvious. It's great. It's great for the LPGA to have a young American yeah. player ascend to that level, achieve that success, win a gold medal. She kind of carries the flag for American golf. And that's a perfect scenario. And Jin Young Ko is awesome. We've talked a lot about that. So we can. All right. It's time to close, time. close the book and move on to 2022. What Love event? It. What event am I most looking forward to on the LPGA? Obviously, back to back events in Ohio in early September. Amazing. That is amazing. It's <laughs> a great, hey, it's a great weather time. It is. September in Ohio. So you have an event in Northwest Ohio. It's now the Dana Championship. It was the Jamie Farr to people my age and older. It will always be the Jamie Farr. Yeah. And it was the Marathon Classic. And now Dana has stepped up. So you have that event and then a new event that Kroger is sponsoring at Kenwood in Cincinnati, which is a great golf course. Um, is it? New, yeah. New venues in bigger cities. I think it's, it's a home run. So those are two. And then I think, well, I've admitted I'm not a huge fan of mission Hills and I think the LPGA can do better. And I think they will do better with Chevron involved and moving 
out of Palm Springs. There will be, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they how it spun with the last run yeah. at Mission Hills for the former Nabisco, Dinosaur, Craft, ANA. Yeah. With the new sponsor. I think they'll embrace it maybe a little more than it has been embraced. And there's been a lot of talk on Twitter and in the media about how that event had kind of lost some of its luster locally. Mm. So I think kind of one last ride will maybe bring out some more fan, bring out some more support on a, on a golf course that is a golf course. Yeah. Fine. It's a golf course. <laughs> um, so bias is brutal, but I'm excited for us women's open at high needles. My reasons are different. I think it's because like I live in the Pinehurst area so between working for the championship, but also like living in the community in which it's hosted is pretty cool. Like, I feel like I don't ever really live in the community in which a major championship is coming. So like, there's just been like a lot of events. It's just very exciting. Um, also, they have good past champions at Pine Needles, Annika, Kari Webb, Christy Kerr. So like, it, you know, it brings out the right people. Um I'm excited for that one. The, some Another one I had listed, and I think I'm like shifting it a bit, but a tournament that I think like could have had potential is the drive-on. I just think like it could have been something interesting, like whether it's a sponsor comes on and makes it like a series throughout the entire month of February, like could it have been match play? Like, could we have been a little creative? There was a lot of potential, but I saw in an article yesterday by Greg Hardwig of Golf Week. It's going to Crown Colony Golf Club in 22. It's a Fort Myers event. It will not have a gallery nor sell tickets. Um, it'll be streamed on Golf Channel NBC, not televised. I'm just, I'm not sure like how this helps the game, but I was like, I was like all excited to talk about drive on. And then I was like, okay, never mind. Um, but overall, Pine Needles, personally, because I'm going to, like, I will be there. It's in my community. I'm stoked. We get it. You live I in know. Pinehurst. You're sweet. Not a big deal. And, <laughs> um, yeah, you don't even have to stay in a hotel or anything. You can right. just commute to work and go to your regular coffee house and do whatever it is you guys do down there in your golf paradise. <laughs> sitting here watching the river flood and the snow start to fall sounds disgusting <laughs> my body needs a physical break from golf i'd melt down if i live somewhere i could play nearly 365 but no those are great cho choices and on the note with the drive on i mean does a golf tournament really exist if there's no fans no real hey. television yeah you know heck? i mean we'll see I, that was just what was reported who knows what reality is but right yeah okay all right, my question for you in 2022, which venues are you most excited for? So Mirfield for the AIG Women's Open. You're not excited about that? All right. You're shaking his head big time. Stole mine, obviously. Oh, oh, oh. And then I said I was excited to see the women take on Congressional. Um, yeah, I know you're pissed. <laughs> I stole both of yours. Um, but there are also like a lot that are TBD on the women's side. So I'm curious where they go for the Lote in Hawaii. Uh, we now know drive on in Florida and then the Portland classic since they're clearly not going back to Oregon golf club. So I'm just like, I'm curious where those are going to go. Um, they're, they are like committed to those areas and those cities. So. Yeah. 
Um, I'm no longer going to provide you prep notes for any show because clearly my Those notes- are so obvious though. <laughs> <laughs> my notes are, this is about the fourth time you've copied. I'm interested to see when we get into our predictions, how many of these you also steal from me. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, I said um, Muirfield. It's one of the top five golf courses in the world. Um, for them to host a women's open is incredible. Um, hasn't always been the most open and welcoming club. The honorable company of Edinburgh golfers, as they like to say, um, is not um, always the friendliest company of golfers. Mm. Um, since you love to drop your flexes, I'm playing there shortly before the mm. women's open. So obviously that'll go extremely well for me. <laughs> I can't wait to get a full recap. Right. I will shoot a lot. I'm playing. Interestingly enough, you play your own ball in the morning, have lunch, and then play alternate shot in the afternoon. And I know the people we're going on the trip with, and I have no interest in playing alternate shot with any of those people. Do you have to do that? I don't understand. Yes. I think some of it's a pace of play thing. True alternate shot, true Ryder Cup alternate shot. And there's a very good chance my partner is my father. Oh, that sounds awful. I mean, it will be a bonding experience, but he's going to hit it under a gorse bush and then expect me to hit it out of there or something. It's going to be terrible. Absolutely terrible. That's funny that they do that. Okay. Yeah. And then my other venue, obviously, is Congressional. Iconic. Rory won their men's open. Uh, KPMG and the women's PGA continues to elevate venues. Atlanta Athletic Club this year. Andrew Green just did a renovation. I think it's 11. So, and on the Oregon golf club, I thought that place was sweet. I know. I'm just, we said it. I thought the place was sweet. The big pine trees, lots of rugged terrain. It's like, gosh, why haven't they been there for years? But maybe the members don't want it or the members of Edgewater or wherever it was before want it back. I don't know. They should take it to pumpkin Ridge. That's a good one. Another classic. Sick. Another classic one. So we'll see. But yeah, that's too bad. That one's going to go away. That was kind of a, a a strike of lightning that all of a sudden he turned it on or saw it on Instagram. Like, this place is sweet. Yeah. So, okay. So I'll, no, you have to answer now. Who's who are winning the majors? We can go, we'll go by championship. So Chevron. Okay. okay. I, the last showdown at Mission Hills, I am going to go with an individual that has won multiple major championships, but has not won one in quite some time. My choice was Lydia Ko. Okay. I'm going, I went with Nellie. Number, number two in the world. Bold choice, Abby. <laughs> Bold choice. Okay. Uh, you, I, no, no explanation needed. U.S. Women's Open. All right. You talked about good champions at Pine Needles in the past. I think this is a, a good champion that hasn't maybe didn't have the 2021 that they would have maybe hoped for. So I have on my list for the Women's Open champion at Pine Needles, Say Young Kim. I like it. Um, I am going with Lexi Thompson getting some redemption. Um, I also think she has some history. I like, it's bad that I can't remember, but I think she has some history at Pine Needles. It might've been like her first U.S. Women's Open venue. Um, I'm just, I'm ready. I think she's going to get redemption. I think it's a great venue for her to win at. It adds her to a list of great champions there. 
I'm all in. Like it. Okay. KPMG Women's PGH Congressional. All right. I'm going to take the easy route here. Congressional, big ballpark, recent renovation. I'm going to take Nellie on the back-to-back. I think she gets her second major at Congressional, another women's PGA championship. I am going with Danielle Kang, also a KPMG Women's PGA champion. Uh, I just think, I think by that point in the season, she'll be in full form. And I think she's due for another major, even if it's the same one. Yeah. She had nine top tens this year. I saw and didn't have a win. Yeah. So I think she's going to bounce. Solheim didn't go her way after the way that 2020 kind of kicked off for her with the back-to-back wins in the Toledo area. Right. The way she was kind of ascending. I think Danielle's probably a player that you know, looks to work hard and improve some things in the off season. And I think she'll probably have a big start uh, to her 2022. All right. The um, Evian championship, I had Lydia Ko. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, just made sense. That was all. (laughs) I have a player that shot 61 the final round of the Evian this year and a player that obviously I have bias towards and that's Leona McGuire. I think she wins before this, but I think she's a player that gets it done in Europe at the Evian. I can see the stars kind of aligning a little bit there. So I went with Leona to pick up, which I will believe to be her second win of the year. Love it. I, uh, for AIG women's open at Mirfield, I am going with Leona McGuire. I just think it's like a great venue for her to get that victory. I like that. It's across the pond. Um, I just think outright nothing else to it. I didn't do any good research to (laughs) make that decision. It's all gut. Um, and I have picked a former AIG women's open champion in Georgia hall. She was in the mix at Carnoustie played a great yep. final round. I think she plays links golf. Well, she's got a track record in this championship. If weather's a factor, if difficult conditions are a factor, I think she seems to have the makeup of a player that will grind it out and stay in it and play well. So I have Georgia hall. Great. Who's going to be rookie of the year. This really, you know, since we don't have that many hot takes, this is not a hot take. I am going with recent Q series graduate, and I'm going to butcher this name, but Ataya Thidakul from Thailand. She won twice on the LET this year. She's top 20 in the world. I think she just continues that momentum and probably picks up a win or many top 10s and top fives. And seems to be a very natural choice just in terms of trend in terms of world ranking and kind of where the game is going i like it um i am going with hinako shibuno she which is just funny that she is an lpga tour rookie because she won don't give me that she is gonna end she's gonna end up being rookie of the year even though despite all this she won the 2019 british open she's 23 years old and she's 37 in the world so you're giving me like such a face (laughs) i mean i thought i was just using the list I thought I was bad in picking a player that was ranked so highly in the world. You have picked a major champion. 
your your hot take rookie of the year on the LPJ tour competing against no one young said it players, had to be a hot take. college players, some Metro tour players is Shibuno. <laughs> I mean, Abby. I know. Okay. I'm, like, surprised. I'm just going to use this to the best of my ability. We're going to keep these like in, the, in our back pockets so we can check back to them. And I'm just going to be like, yeah, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's just taking a freebie. I'm surprised you didn't pick someone that you hit balls next to at Pinehurst like two weeks ago or something. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Who will surprise us in 2022? All right. I chose Allison Lee. Um, last year at this time, she was ranked 186 and she has jumped to 88 in the world. She was on the 2015 Solheim Cup team. Um, she was on the junior Solheim Cup team in 2011 and she came onto the scene very hot. Like I know she finished, she finished strong, I think in, at like the marathon in Slovenia. Um, and she had just like some strong, like some big finishes. And then ever since that, I feel like rookie year, even she kind of dropped off. Um, this year she had a victory at one of the Aramco series events. Um, and I just think, you know, she's had this like, um, climb in her rankings over the last, you know, year. So I'm a year to two years. So, um, I'm just excited to see what she does. I think she is somebody who is, was, she was a dominant player in junior golf and in an amateur golf at UCLA for the amount of time she was there. So I think she'll surprise us. We'll see. Yep. Good choice. Uh, my player is currently ranked 55th, 55th, excuse me, in the Rolex rankings, does have two career wins, was 31st on the CME standings in uh, 2021, had six top tens, no wins, was a Tokyo Olympic participant, and that's uh, Gabby Lopez. Hmm. I think she's trending in a lot of positive directions, uh, getting into her late 20s, had a good college career, has won, is just progressing at a level that you see, does this person become a top 20 top 15 player in the world. And I think with six top tens, that shows quite a bit of consistency. She finished the year strong. So someone that maybe looks to pick up another win in 2022. I don't know if that's necessarily a surprise, but I just think someone that's kind of on the rise and is continuing to improve. Nice. Well, I think we made some great predictions. I'm going to save them so that we can look back to them next year um, and see how close we were. See how many you got right and I got wrong? Yeah. Right. I knew where that was going. All right. What's your uh, fun fact for me so last I, of the year? I, it was kind of stolen. My fun fact was going to surround uh, the Q series and Brentley Romine's article about, you know, kind of when did this influx of players um, start, you know, leaving college early and kind of who were some of the first ones and the players from Alabama. So that was kind of my fun fact, but we, we talked about it and I think it was worth talking uh, about because it is an issue in yeah. women's golf and in, in the college ranks. And we'll see how many of these players do end up turning pro and uh, how many of them end up being you know successful here early in 2022. Because with the reshuffle and getting starts is super important. And let's be honest, I don't think COVID for a lot of these events in some of these countries is going away. So I still think there's a chance it's a disjointed 2022 schedule. So the more events you can get in and the better you can play early is going to be super important because there's going to be players 
that thought maybe they're going to get 18 to 20 starts and they end up getting 10 to 12 starts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shoot. So, I'm, I'm sad. I know. I guess we should have ended on a, on a lighter note. Maybe yeah. Can... No good trivia. <laughs> <laughs> no good trivia. Sad. Events canceled. You know, all just, just a major bummer. Well, just a major I let, bummer. I guess before I let you go, are you doing anything good for the holidays? No. Okay. I'm st- I'm staying in the beautiful 419 this year. No exciting travels or anything uh, terribly exciting planned, which I guess is nice. It'll be relaxing. No golf, which again is good. No golf trips or anything really planned till kind of endish of February. So nice. Take take some time to rehabilitate my old weary body. Fine. Fair enough. Well, are you gonna go okay. play like this? Are you playing golf like tomorrow or something? <laughs> I am gonna play some golf over the next two weeks. It is it is nice here. Yeah, I hope yeah. it snows on you one day. <laughs> okay, cool. a squall a squall comes in out of nowhere. <laughs> you just see me like get knocked over with my push cart. Yes, exactly. That would make that would bring me great happiness if your push cart was there covered in snow because you thought it was gonna be fifty and sunny. <laughs> Well, Justin, it has been a wonderful 2021 season with you. I agree. This has been a lot of fun. I never would have thought when we went to that tequila tasting, <laughs> it would turn out to the way it did. But hopefully the sound comes through better. And this is just us ramping up I know. You know, towards next year. And we'll, uh, we'll hit it hard once we uh, have some events in the fold here in the not too distant future. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well.